Good evening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for episode number 25 of the Ready, Set, Shag podcast. Currently, my longest streak for a solo podcast. The midweek hump blew away any record I had of podcasting uh, before that with uh, 24 episodes, but uh, 25 is the is the longest I've ever gone solo on something. So many great things we're celebrating today. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here again with someone who... Um, you know, who I admire, who I really enjoy, have really enjoyed getting to know over the past few years and, um, or I guess the past year and a half or so. And, uh, you know, this, that's what this podcast is all about. If you guys have not been, um, here for this show before, it's a place that I can talk with people who I admire, people who I look up to, and some people who I just want to know more about, not always, you know, we don't always see eye to eye. Um, but here today, I, uh, I have Andrew Caffeinated Wolf, who is a creative director, editor, social media manager at the Ripiverse. He's a lifelong comic book and video game fan, an avid reader of fantasy and sci-fi, and loves to fully immerse himself in the fandoms he occupies. Uh, he's got an educational background in business management and marketing, and is also trained in TV and film. Um, everybody, please, please welcome. NDA Andrew, what's up? What's going on? <laughs> what's man? going on, brother? You didn't have to lie to the people right off the bat and say you look up to me and admire no. me. Like we don't, we don't got to start it off with lies. <laughs> no, I, I don't lie, man. I, I, any, any person who, any person who's on this show, I like, I promise you, there's something about that person I really do respect, look up to, and even strive to get to, uh, to that place. You know, to some extent. Um, and you're no exception, man. You know, it's uh. You work hard. You work for a great company. Um, again, you work for a man who I, you know, I, who I admire as well and has followed for years. So, oh man, don't sell yourself short. You're a great dude, and I, uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, and I've always enjoyed your company on the midweek hump. So, thanks, dude. I appreciate you having me, brother. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to just hanging out and chatting. Yeah. Um, what? I mean, for those of you, okay. So for those who don't know you who are just kind of learning about you for the first time give us a quick rundown of what you've been up to recently and um what it is you do on the day-to-day -day. oh gosh uh where to start i i feel like i'm constantly up to my hairline in work and in ndas at the same time over at the ripiverse but like uh like you mentioned at the top you know i'm the creative director over there so i oversee everything uh creative that goes on whether it's uh stuff in editorial Alongside the Saska sisters, Jen and Sylvia, who are in the chat, were the three main editors on uh, a lot of our upcoming books. Um, lore masters, so we're you know making sure that the books that are coming out are always in line with the direction that we want the universe to go. Making sure the characters stay coherent um, between books and from one book to another, instead of like I saw him as acting in one way in one book, but then he shows up in somebody else's book and he's like a completely different character outside of looking the same things like that. You know, it's important in order to maintain respect for your audience and your fans. Um, I manage Eric's social media. He, he's the one that does like most of his like normal posting, but I'm the person that handles any of like the marketing or content posting, anything that's got to do with videos and things like that. I run all the rip of our social media accounts. Um, Gosh, I, like I said, I'm constantly juggling things over there, but it's a ton of fun and it's evolved really, really quickly. Like when I was brought on as full time, initially it was just for the social media stuff mm -hmm. um, because I mean, there was just a lot to do, right? Because it, it happened 
gosh, it happened like in the blink of an eye with that first ISOM campaign where all of a sudden we were thinking, okay, you know, maybe over the course of a handful of months, we'll sell like 10,000 books at most, maybe have some left over for the early part of the next year, make maybe a few hundred thousand dollars. All right, we'll, we'll be sitting pretty. We can, we can reinvest. We'll be good. $3.7 million later, you know, thir- 30 hours in, we're, we're well over a million. And Eric messages me and he's like, hey, so remember that conversation we had that one time about like you being full time with me if like this thing really popped off? Like, yeah, I, I remember that, Eric. Like, well, it kind of popped off and I need you here now. <laughs> so it, it kind of it kind of just kind of expanded from there pretty quickly. And yeah. it evolved into the creative director position that I'm in now which I love. That's my favorite part about it. Like I love being able to handle the social media stuff for him and, and take that off his plate. Cause that he's got other more important things to handle than screwing around on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook with like promotional posts and things like that for content, YouTube videos and whatnot. But it's the creative stuff that I love, like getting to work alongside and be surrounded by people that are just so much more talented than I am, like in, in whatever it is that they do, whether it's, Brian and Jordan over on the video asset side or um, Igor and Marcos and Eric Weathers when it comes to lettering and drawing and all of this. We've got the Saskas, the writers, you know, Eric's a writer. I, just, I'm, I love surrounding myself with people that I consider superior to myself in a ton of different areas because that that's something that I can then try and pick up on from them mm-hmm. and I'm learning. And that's really the only way you get to grow. It's kind of the same thing. Like you're never going to like become a faster runner. If you're always racing people, that are just slower than you. Right. right? You got to actually have that, that drive and that sense of urgency to push yourself, be faster, be stronger, whatever it is that you're, you're aiming for. So I like to surround myself with people that are just, I consider them better than me. Like more creative, more talented. And it just, to me, that's like, cool. It, this is to my benefit. I get to elevate myself right now. This is awesome. Did you ever, like, when you were in those initial meetings with with Eric and getting, like, you know, starting as a part-time gig and then kind of seeing the campaign unfold, did did it ever occur to you that, like, you know, because I, I guess the question, <laughs> did it ever occur to you that you may have, like, like man, I, I said what I needed to say to get this position now I really got to do it. Did, was there ever that moment where you thought like you oversold yourself in hopes like, Oh, I'll be able to grow and learn something and, uh, and, you know, elevate myself. Cause I mean, it, when you're, when you're trying to get into a, a career, sometimes you, you know, you put your best foot forward, but sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta bluff your hand a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, did that ever like happen while the, the campaign was going, you see it skyrocketing, you know, 1 million, 2 million or, did you just lock it in and, and just feel good? Not really, because and that, that's not to like puff my chest out or anything, because when I had the initial part time conversation with Eric about, um, you know, just handling social media for his accounts, because the Ripperverse wasn't a thing yet. It was a thing that was like being worked on on the side, but the company hadn't like been officially announced. It wasn't a public thing. Right. The the first book was announced. We hadn't done anything. On it, so there were no social media accounts for the Ripiverse, none of that. And um, I was very, I'd like to think, forthright and honest with Eric when he asked me 
um, if I'd be, you know, willing to handle his social media accounts so that he could focus on some other things. Many of those I suspect were him working on fleshing out uh, a lot of the Ripiverse stuff that he was trying to get going on the side yeah. <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> um, and so I told him, yeah, like I can, I can do that. I'll be upfront with you that like I've handled some social media stuff in the past before, but I wouldn't consider myself like a massive expert on it right now. But you tell me at least, you know, like in the, within the first week, like the general gist of what you need from me on a daily basis. And I will do my best to meet and exceed your expectations and always feel free to let me know like, Hey, that's not really the direction I'm aiming for or whatever, because Eric is somebody that I respect pretty heavily. Um, he was one of the first YouTube channels that I really started watching. I mean, YouTube's been around since, what was it? Early 2000s, mid 2000s, something like that. It was like 2006, 2007. Mm. Um, and I didn't heavily watch YouTube until around 2017, maybe, yeah, honestly. I, I just didn't. I was too busy working, honestly. Mm. And there were other things I'd rather be doing, but I found him... I found world-class bullshitters. Um, shout out to Jeff over there. I'm the co-host over on the High Council there on Tuesday nights now. Yeah. Um, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Great show. Best show on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and uh, my bias might be showing there, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, and uh, a couple other channels, but Eric was one of the first few. And what he talked about really resonated with me. And I really liked that he covered a wide variety of things. He didn't just talk pop culture. He didn't just talk comic books. He talked politics. He talked music. Sometimes he talked sports. But, you know, he was always kind of marching to the beat of his own drum. And I knew that he was honest about it because he was talking about what he wanted to talk about. He wasn't like chasing an algorithm. And so because of that, I had a lot of respect for him. And I never wanted to try and like oversell myself. I will say to actually circle back and finish answering your question um when it when i saw one was really popping off in that first campaign and he uh he brought me on for full time very shortly thereafter like within the first it was within that first month that like mm -hmm. it was honestly it might have even been within, like in the first week or two that we had the conversation is like okay this this needs to happen because i just i can't do this by myself right now i don't have the the, the capacity i can wear a lot of hats I, I can juggle a lot of things i can spin a lot of plates but i'm still only human and so he he brought on myself he brought on our executive assistant uh caro um sheep who obviously you know um yeah. and you know a couple other people and that way we could like lighten the load and make this a, a kind of aiming towards being a more well-oiled machine we're still working out some kinks you know we're, we're still a young company we have we're not even two years old yet right so yeah. we got a lot of room to grow which is great because we're on a good track already mm -hmm. um but when he put me in charge of creatives um there was both an apprehension and an excitement because i knew that this was something that i was going to love but i needed to show that i could do it um because I, while I consider myself a creative to a certain extent, it's not like I'm some published author. Um, I don't have a particularly high degree of skill with a pencil when it comes to drawing. Like I can, I can bang out a sketch and it's going to take me all day for it to look somewhat passable 
as opposed to guys that we have like Igor and Marcos who can bang it out in less than an hour and be like, yeah, that looks like a finished piece. What the hell? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I was excited, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm about to be in charge of people that are far more talented than myself. I need to show that I have at least the eye to direct them in the direction that we need them to be going. And the, uh, the ability to communicate that to them in a way that works for them and doesn't make it seem like, you know, I'm some mightier than thou. I know better than you. No, they're, they're obviously the ones with the talent with the pencil, but mm. Eric put me in that position for a reason in that he trusts my eye and my judgment in terms of the direction that he wants things to go and things, things to look. And so there was a little bit of apprehension there in that, like I really wanted to prove myself. Right. And so it was just kind of that bubbling under the surface. Whew, okay, it, it's it's do or die time. You know, step up and uh, you know try and try and impress, try and show that you actually are here and that Eric didn't make a mistake. And I try to operate on a daily basis. That's like I need to impress Eric on a daily basis. I need to earn my spot on a daily basis. This isn't a free lunch. Eric's not running a charity here. He's you know there are people with families, and you know I. I don't want to be the dead leg. I don't want to be the the flat tire as it were. Yeah, that's I mean, it's got to be I've I've been in positions too throughout my career where you're like you're the young, you're the more green uh employee person in there, but you're you're suddenly put in charge of a bunch of people and some being your friends and uh it it it's a it's a skill that you need to learn to re- you need to manage these people, but you also have to learn to yield to their experience and expertise at times. Um, and then learning to communicate with people, especially uh, industry vets when they know, and, and this goes for anything like, you know, whether it be entertainment, I, I spent uh, time in the service industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to yield to their expertise. They've been around the block. They know what's going on and you're sort of learning these things, but you're in a position that you need to be able to manage because the, the guy above you is, you know, he just, he can't, he can't do it. He needs you to, to operate that part yeah. of the machine. Um, so I get it, man. It's, it's a learned skill. Not everyone's great at it. Um, and it's, uh, and it, we see at the Sasuke sisters in the chat singing your praises. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. That's they're like, just, they're just being sweet. Cause they're wonderful. Right? <laughs> they are. Um, but no, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride. It's, it's been interesting to watch the the ripiverse uh expand the way it does because it doesn't unlike most businesses that that operate at extreme losses in their first year or two or three this one kind of you know dives headlong into profits and then you know it because of that it draws the attention of people who um you know appear to be envious that you know they don't like eric for personal reasons um and so it becomes this ongoing charade of you know you don't deserve this you you shouldn't be this this is garbage this that whatever it is mm-hmm. as the social media manager you're 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 dealing with a brunt of that what is what has that done to you like has it done anything to you like personally because i mean recently i've had to take a break from social media because i i it's starting to get under my skin not in ways where like well, it's in ways that I don't understand why people are doing the things that they're doing. It almost seems like the only thing people know how to do now is negative, 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 negative. Yeah. And that is 
that's wearing on me in a way that I never thought it would. So how, how's that been for you over the, you know, the past year or so? Well, it's, everything's about balance and you can't, you can't go through life, not in the real world and certainly not online. Um, definitely not online thinking that everything's always going to be positivity and puppies and, and sunshine and cookies and all of that. Um, though I do very deliberately have notifications turned on for several puppy accounts on Twitter. That way they're always injecting a little bit of joy into my day and into my feed. But um, I, I get it, man. Social media is filled with so much negativity. And you're right. As the social media manager, I, considering I have to be scrolling through that timeline and multiple timelines across multiple social media platforms for a good chunk of my day, at least a few times throughout it, I do end up coming across what is kind of like the worst of the internet sometimes. And it's, it's really sad. You know, you mentioned there's, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, personal issues with Eric or with whoever else at the Ripperverse or, you know, jealousy, whatever it is. It's really unfortunate, especially in the indie space right now, because for a long time, and this, this is something that my eyes started opening to opening up to a little over a year ago, I want to say where far too many people have been steeped in the negativity aspect and the negative mindset, whether it's on YouTube or on social media for a really long time. And part of that's justified because for the last almost decade now, we've been watching our fandoms that we grew up loving that were very formative for us, um, characters that, you know, maybe for some of us got us through difficult things in our lives at an early age. We've been watching these fandoms and these properties get destroyed bit by bit, sometimes really fast. Sometimes it's a, a slow degradation. And so there's a lot of anger there because as fans, we're passionate, right? Fan yeah. is short for fanatic for a reason. We, we love these things. We don't want them to be dog shit. We want them to be good. I want to love Star Wars. I want to look forward to every new Star Wars thing that comes out. Same thing with DC, same thing with Marvel. But the fact of the matter is the people that currently hold those IPs aren't giving us reasons to be excited. In fact, they're giving us reasons to be the opposite. However, there's a delicate balance, and it's something that is, I think, a daily, really a daily choice where you have to choose to balance out that negativity with positivity in mm -hmm. your life. Because if you're just surrounding yourself with negativity 24-7, you're going to be a negative person. And that's not healthy for you, like not mentally, not physically, not spiritually, none of that. Yeah. And so you you really have to choose sometimes positivity. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to be like, no, Last Jedi was a phenomenal Star Wars movie. And though <laughs> even though we all know it's, it's the exact opposite, right? No, that right. just means that you don't have to be constantly thinking about how garbage Disney Star Wars is right now. Think about the things that aren't garbage right now or think about the things that you grew up loving. Okay, right now, Star Wars sucks, but you grew up watching the original trilogy. You grew up watching the prequels or reading the EU novels and comics. They can't take Star Wars from you. They can't take yeah. Star Wars from us. They can't take DC from us, right? Just right now, the current crop of stuff that's coming out is not good. So immerse yourself in the stuff that you still love. Yeah. I, I'm noticing that, uh, yeah, it... it it just became extremely trendy for people to, you know, take a big runny dump on, uh, on, uh, on everything that comes out. Cause, and, 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 you know, people have made a, a good living off of it, 
it's just sure. it it's it's tiring seeing it every day because I just think I I need hope, <laughs> you know, like. I have two little kids and I, I want to to be able to show them that there's there's so many good things out there. And there I have to believe that there is hope somewhere uh in in comics in Hollywood. Uh and that's why like I I need for my own health, and I think I think people in general need to look at things with a clean eye sometimes and in a fresh mind, because yeah, there's it's really easy to say a movie like like Civil War. I, we had a, a debate on the midweek hump a week and a half ago about this. Um, that oh, like the, the movie Civil War is going to be woke propaganda, and I think like why are we? Why is that the default? That's, that's I, the that's the knee jerk reaction right now, right? To everything, everything is everything's woke. If if you if we've reached that point, then we're just the other end of the spectrum of everybody who disagrees with me is the worst form of humanity that came out of East Germany in the forties. Right. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, every, everybody is this, everybody is that istophobe, whatever insert, whatever the, the, the label, the ad hominem attack is here. Um, and when you do that, you start sacrificing intellectual honesty yeah. and you have to be able to, I think if we want to consider ourselves honest and if we want to be taken seriously, we have to be willing to, both praise the things that we might otherwise not like and criticize the things that we love. I'll take um, CD Projekt Red for an example. I love the Witcher games. Cyberpunk came out. And while I have about 650 hours in that game across several different characters, (laughs) I played the hell out of it. I also didn't experience, I, I had like a micro fraction of the issues that other people did. So like I, I got off pretty clean despite yeah. not having the world's most powerful PC. Um, <laughs> seeing the state that it was released in for other people and the, the issues that they were having, uh, obviously Eric was streaming it a lot and it was just constantly crashing on him on his PS5. Like, why did you guys put this out in this state? Like that's unacceptable. Like mm. big games are going to have bugs inevitably. But if you're doing your job on the QC side, you are minimizing those as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's the larger the game, the harder that's going to be. But you try and knock out like the game breaking things, right? Yeah. And it just did not look like they did any of that. And uh, so I, even though I had respect for CD Projekt Red, I was critical of their handling of that game's release, right? And in yeah. the same vein, I can take a look at movies that I might otherwise have a lot of issues with. So, say um, Aquaman. What was that? Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, whatever the hell it was. Um, fun yeah. movie, right? Looked beautiful. James Wan's a great director, um, but that's not Arthur Curry, and that, that's not Aquaman. As a DC Comics guy, and that's no knock against Jason Momoa as a person. I think it was a miscast because he should be Lobo. Um, he was born to play that role. Um, I can I can hear Lobo's lines in Jason Momoa's voice oh, so easily. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I I just I don't buy him as Arthur because the character that was written, not just how he looks, because that's that's I it's funny. Bef- like ten minutes before this stream, somebody on uh, on Twitter uh, had posted something like, "I can't believe people are saying that you know Jason Momoa is you know not a good cast for Arthur." And I was like, "Well, because he was grossly miscast as Arthur Curry." And I was like. Why not enough whiteness for you? And I'm like, well, okay, like 
be that as it may, because Arthur Curry is, I'm sorry, fair skinned, blonde hair blonde, and yeah. blue eyes. Like as much as you might not like that, that's how the character has been for decades upon decades. But I said equally is important, if not more so, is the fact that he acts even less like the character looks in terms of accuracy. Like they they turned Arthur Curry, the regal king of Atlantis, into a dime a dozen Santa Cruz beach boardwalk surfer, bro. And I grew up in the Bay Area, California for like yeah. 22 years. So I know what those look and sound like, and that's exactly what they wrote there. But I yeah. can still praise that movie on other aspects. And I think that's where the the intellectual honesty comes into play, where it's like, okay, I might not like certain things about this film but there are other things i can praise it for even last jedi the movie looks beautiful yeah it's it's very well shot yeah it's great it has a great score right mm -hmm. but then as a star wars fan i look at it it's like well that was garbage right yeah but on certain objective things that i can measure in terms of film critique i can be like okay this was well done that was well done this thing over here was pretty solid you you bring up a good point because I sheep will, will not let me live this down. Um, he, I, uh, my son and I. Well, I I like the Into the Spider Verse movie because, well, I don't I don't have as big of an issue with Miles as a character. Well, especially in that movie because I thought it was different enough from everything else. But the story that was written in Into the Spider Verse resonated with me. Uh, one, because my son and I, we used to watch it all the time when he was younger. He loved mm. that movie. Um, I think the animation is like top notch. I love I love the motion comic book look, mm -hmm. um, like seeing like the paper stippling and stuff like like that to me is like really cool. Um, and then like Peter B. Parker's journey as like a mentor and father figure was a beautiful thing to to watch unfold. And as a young parent, it's like, I mean, I was a brand new parent at the time of watching this. So it was mm -hmm. such, it was just a beautiful moment. So for that something reason, you could I, connect with. Yeah, it was personal. something. And I thought that's reason enough to really like this. Now, people's criticism of Miles as a tokenized character, like I'm, I'm with it. I get it. And I, that totally makes sense. And a lot of the characters that have been tokenized, um, you know, since all this stuff, I get it as a story. I like it. I think it works. Um, it's an emotional story that, you know, it, it has a beautiful arc in it and it ends like you could end into the Spider-Verse and never make another movie. And you know what happens? It's one of my criticisms of across the, the Spider-Verse is like it's half a movie that was way too right. long. And it was it was boring, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So. But that's the, those are the kind of conversations I think people like a lot of people will gravitate to an opinion you know, be it from Eric or all the, anyone else and say like, oh, he's right. See, it's tokenized. So it's garbage. It's shit. It's like, well, hold on. If I can break this down into all these pieces, art, direction, story, sure, whatever, like, I, you know, I think that's, that's perfectly fair and I can get down with that. Um, and even, I think we've talked in private about like, you know, even if it's even books by people we don't like, like, I don't like Stephen King. But mm -hmm. his earlier works are amazing. Like, there's some of the best fiction out there. I think he has, he's he's not done really great in the past and in, in the past few years. Uh, I'll be at one or two other things that I think were good, but the majority of his stuff, um, you know, after his accident, was really just bad. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know, man. There's, it's just hard. The the polarizing nature of the world is exhausting. Um, and I, I, I hope that people start to understand how important it is to at least, I mean, gatekeeping is fine. <laughs> I think gatekeeping is okay. But gatekeeping when exercised properly is how you maintain, um, integrity in your fandom that's yeah. how you don't get people like heather antos or gail simone or you know any number of other people other writers that go in and fiddle with lore fiddle with continuity your ryan johnson's your kathleen kennedy's that's how you keep people like that out mm -hmm. because gatekeeping is not something that's exercised against any group of people other than the group of people that don't want the thing to remain the thing they yeah. want the thing to change to suit them that's yeah. the problem it doesn't matter what you look like but right. gatekeeping is actually integral and it's something that we actually believe in over at the ripiverse and eric is you know said shoot he said even when he was teasing it as being a thing he was saying it is all up to y'all like addressing the fans to gatekeep the hell out of this thing like this is for you this is for fans who want good comics again that respect them and are building characters that are going to remain the characters. sure they'll have growth arcs obviously otherwise what's the point of getting in, invested in a, in a stagnant character right that's that's boring you don't want that but right. they still need to remain themselves right they still need to have their their core who they are who we expect them expect them to be it's up to you guys the fans to make sure that other people don't get in here and try and change things right and we're going to do that from our end as well right we every single person that's ever been brought onto this team gets vetted to high hell <laughs> yeah like, it, it is incredibly important because they're they're bad actors out there they're people that would want to be very subversive um people that want to undermine what we're trying to do and that's the mentality that all fandoms should really have uh i think the problem right now is people have lost the ability and maybe the desire as well to intellectually multitask. Um, they don't, mm. they don't believe, or at least they certainly don't operate on the idea that two things can be true at once. So like what you were saying about into the spider verse, right? I have zero care for, for that film personally, yeah. but you were able to connect with that film because of being a father and having that's very specific, very personal connection to it. So there was an emotional aspect that you were able to latch onto with that film. But then you also liked the the art direction, you liked the cinematography, liked all these other objective things that mm. I think a lot of people would probably agree with. Also, um, soundtrack. Soundtrack was top notch in my opinion. Soundtrack between, yeah. between score and like the the regular tracks. So good. Mm. Anyways, sorry. So no, you're good. So People could say, I think somebody who is being honest, as long as because that art style isn't necessarily for everybody, but somebody mm -hmm. who likes that art style and is being honest, but maybe they don't like Miles, they would then say, I really like the cinematography. I like the animation. I think that the story that was being told within just the scope and the box of that film specifically on its own in isolation from everything else, I could say that is a good film. However, as maybe a Spider-Man fan, and I don't like Miles, I don't like any of the other Spider-Folk, like, I'm not a fan of it in that respect. But that's yeah. fine, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. and that's how I would try to approach it, because I could I could toss out literally every single one of the other Spider-Folk that aren't Peter Parker. Every single one of them I can live without. Um, yeah. But I can still entertain conversations with people who want to talk to me 
about, hey, like, I really like this movie from an art direction angle. I like the score. I like the story that was told, irrespective of whether or not people like Miles, right? And that's that's fair. And that's an honest conversation that can be had. Um, and not enough people are willing to have that conversation on either side, because what what is it? It's always like, if you don't like Miles, the conversation always just turns to, oh, you're just racist. Yeah, you just don't like you just don't like black hair. You don't like Miles because he's black. And I've I've gotten into it back when I had more free time and and less emotional intelligence. I've gone back and forth with people on uh, on Twitter <laughs> on that very thing because they would accuse me because I didn't like Miles Morales. Right? Oh, you just you're just saying that because he's part black. It's like, well, I don't like Ben Riley or Kane either, or or Spider Gwen. Now yeah. what? Yeah, Ben Riley is literally just a Peter Parker clone. Yeah. So. What, what else you got? Because the racism <laughs> angle doesn't work. And then there's that really awkward part where I work for a black guy. So, like, if I had a problem with black people, that would be really awkward, I would think. Yeah, that'd be weird. Basis. Yeah. Right? I, I think that would be a little strange. So, um, and then on the other end, it's just like people can't have the conversation of like understanding that some people might actually like the movie just as a movie. And maybe they're not longtime Spider Man fans. They don't right. understand the lore from the comics. They're just looking at it as it was presented they're normies right yeah. general audience they like the story that was being told and that was it like or for like yourself maybe there was an emotional aspect they were able to latch on to because right. maybe they're like you they were a young father and they were able to really you know connect with the uh the mentor angle that was being presented there and that's that's something important that has value that does have yeah. value i might not like miles as a character at all but that story has value so the thing the, the one of the things that I was almost like, I think the multiverse thing can be done and into the Spider-Verse started. It, it almost teased the fact that they've found a way to make it work because you had, you had a place where these people can't exist in other multiverses. Their, their atoms start, you know, scrambling like, okay, but there's stakes involved. You can't just freely go from multiverse, you know, universe to universe because you don't belong there and it will eventually even itself out. So great. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, actually we found a way to just jump in between and now the stakes are gone. So mm -hmm. it's like they had something there and you know, it's just, it's one of those, like we can never, we've gotten to a point in storytelling and it's maybe it's because some of these comics have been running for so long they don't know what to do with them anymore. They don't want to end them because they're cash cows, especially Spider-Man. Like, who's not going to buy a Spider-Man comic? Well, it's the only um, comic at Marvel selling right now. So. Right. Aside and, from uh, Immortal Hulk, when Joe Bennett was the artist, dude, yeah, they let him go, and now he drew Alpacore. So, Immortal <laughs> Immortal Hulk is like one of my favorite runs. It's like yeah. it's oh, that so book good. primarily sold because, like, obviously there were people that liked the story, but it sold because Joe Bennett's art was just. Yeah out of this world and yeah. it was a perfect pairing for the character of hope and yep. uh they let him go and now the ripperverse has him and joe bennett is working on stuff with us so that that's a win for us pretty fucking awesome yeah um do you think this is going to be a tough question i wanted to ask you something that made you think a little bit and okay sometimes <laughs> i'm good at thinking other times i pretend we'll, <laughs> we'll see which it is we'll, we'll roll the <laughs> dice let's do it do you think that, I mean, you think of all the criticism that's been levied against the, the Ripiverse. Um, do you think that any of it is, do, do you think any of the criticism levied has been constructive? 
um, and or um, uh, not, I don't want to say beneficial, but I mean, people, people get pretty crazy with their criticisms, but has there been any that you've thought like they're kind of dicks, but they're right. Is there, has there been any of that like that you think in, in, and not in a way that's like defeating where you're like, oh, this sucks. They're right. We suck. Like it, but used as a way to, we see what we messed up. Now we can move forward because again, you guys are a young company. So when I look at your, when I look at the work that's been done, I think new company, you guys are, I mean, the, the scale, I don't think was ever intended to be this at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I think everyone's like still getting their feet underneath them so there's some stuff that i i just kind of look past because i'm like eh, well it's you know they're not 20 year uh, you know eric's not a 20 year vet in the comic industry you know he's mm-hmm. in the in the consumer side sure but not the, the business side um so yeah was there anything like that that you that you've noticed that uh that maybe criticism was warranted and you maybe used it for good or maybe not maybe you didn't well look Look, none of us over at the Reverse are so arrogant as to think that we're perfect and that every single product that we put out has been perfect so far. So there's there's that generality for you. But apart from that and beyond that, um, and Eric has mentioned this before, that there for our first couple of books, there were some editorial issues. Like there were some legitimate editorial issues. Like there was, you know, either grammatical issues or a, a word missing or, you know, extra words here or there, things like that. Um, and when you are trying to catch up to your demand that has skyrocketed so much, and when you also have certain expect or rather certain expectations of where you think your property is going to go within a, a, a set period of time, like I mentioned earlier, we were expecting within the first year of ISOM one, I think 350, 400 K, right? Yeah. We did, we did more than 10 times that. Um, and that's, that's not a brag. That's just, that's just numbers. Right. Um, and so all of a sudden there was this pressure to be like, okay, well, there's clearly a demand for this. And there's a combination of wanting to meet that consumer, that fan demand, these fans that are, they, they had this overwhelming positive response to the first book. Right. And they want more. They're telling us they want more. If, if they gave us that much money, their hard earned money for the first book, they're telling us that they want another, right? And so there's a combination of us wanting to get that to them to meet the fan demand, but also as fans ourselves, we're we're fans, we're comic book fans. This this company wasn't just built by a bunch of schmucks that don't know what the hell they're doing. It's built by people that are fans of comics. Eric has been reading and buying comic books for decades, as have I. And so we want to enjoy that excitement and enthusiasm with our fans. And that's one of the most gratifying things about doing all of this, honestly, which is seeing the legitimate customer enthusiasm, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in, you know, the YouTube videos, whether it's in our Gilded server, whatever it is, or emails or DMs that we get from people like thanking us, hey, like I haven't bought a comic book in like 10 years because I just wasn't happy with the direction that the industry was going. And this is my first one in 10 years or more. And thank you like this the book wasn't perfect but it was fun and i'm looking forward to more and that is all the excitement and energy and like encouragement that we need to be like okay we know people want more now we need to continue to try and improve on it right so there was a pretty glaring 
editorial error in ISOM 2 that Eric even addressed, I think both on a stream and in a video, that like Gooding's name on the, the logo was, was misspelled. And that was missed. He explained how it was missed, but it was still missed. And he wasn't like writing it off as, as like an excuse or anything. It was like editorial things happen, um, but we're going to be more careful next time. And what did yeah. he do? Well, for the very next book, Alpha Core number one, he brought me on to editorial. So now, now we had an extra set of eyes. Yep. And now we also have the Saskas. So between Jen and Sylvia and myself, that's three pairs of eyes that are going through with a fine-tooth comb on these scripts and on the panels that are being drawn, as well as Kanan White, who is a god-tier artist. And <laughs> I am incredibly thankful to have him as my uh, my lead art editor, because while I consider myself an art snob in that I have very particular tastes with it and I know what looks good, I know what I like and I know what other people like, but for him as being in that space and being an, an, a veteran and being an incredible artist, he can communicate all of that to artists in ways I could never even hope to do. So yeah. he, can, he can take art from somebody that is already talented like joe bennett like deborah carita who's on yaira like uh redacted because i'm not going to mention other names for other books that are happening uh, we almost got them you aren't got getting him. any previews out of me ladies and gents not out of me not today not today um i i i definitely couldn't do that with with jen and sylvia in the chat that's for damn sure right. um not for all the nda grief that i give them and they're they're such good sports about it um <laughs> But uh, he's able to take already legitimately talented artists and just elevate them even further. Like, I'm seeing stuff out of artists that I I already knew they were good, and now I'm seeing them improve on a weekly basis. Like, they're already getting better than they already were, which was crazy because you think about artists like Joe Bennett that are incredible talents, like books, like, incredible or uh, uh immortal hulk sell because of his art you know and then you think about him doing something that's even more impressive and you're like what how is that even possible well i'll tell you how it's possible we have kanan white and kanan white's incredible um so there were editorial errors in the first couple of books um because we we didn't have the eyes on them we didn't have the we didn't have the structure put in place yet for that and that was something we weren't quite prepared for but I'll tell you what, I've purchased books from the big two that have several editorial errors in them, whether it's on the mm -hmm. art side or whether it's on the, the copy side, so on the, on the text. And crickets right? when it comes to that. Yeah. Right? People don't hold – they hold us to a different standard than they hold everyone else. And I'm actually fine with that. Because I want us to be better than them. That's all right, fine. You're you're not holding them to a standard of perfection. Well, we're going to hold ourselves then to that standard. We're we're gonna strive for that. Nothing's gonna be perfect. I'm pretty pretty pleased with the job that we did for AlphaCore, um, number one. And the fans certainly seem pretty pleased with it. Everybody's enjoying the hell out of that. But there's no there's no such thing as a perfect book and i think that there are people to really circle back to answering the crux of your question there have been people that have pointed those things out but there's an important distinction to make we've had fans i've received dms 
or emails from fans of ours saying, hey, loved the book. I noticed this in on this page and this panel. Maybe they'll take a photo of it on their phone or whatever and shoot it to us in the email and say, like, I think this was missed on the on the editorial side. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Like, that was missed. That, that's an oops on our end, right? That, that's Thank you for pointing that out to us. We're going to do better next time. Yeah. And that's how that conversation usually goes. There were there were legitimate criticisms um, from some fans um, for the first book where Michael and Lillian actually aren't named in that book. They show up, they're in uh, one or two pages um, and like they have it, they have a conversation, they're in a club, um, but they're, they're not named. You don't actually know who those people are unless you bought the Dokemon cards. And Eric even acknowledged, he was like, I think that's definitely something I would have, I would have, would have tweaked, like actually having them named so that people knew who the hell they were, at least insofar as like what the hell their names were. Or like he wanted to um, extend out the scene where Yaira and Alphacore are introduced and show up for those couple of pages, right? So that's just that's growing pains as a a new entity in the comic book space. Like we're each book we're going to strive to improve upon the last one. See, I'm I went to bat for you guys with um, you know. So during I don't know if you watched my interview with Vito, but like one of the things that him and I talked about was this idea of like the complications that arise from multi-hero universes. And I said, well, I, I mean, th- this doesn't really bother me because one there, I mean, I see his point, but I mean, a young company that's, you know, starting off with brand new heroes. So hello, like y- these mm-hmm. stories take time to unfold. Like, you, you know, you might not like how stories are told, but like you have multiple heroes interacting here. Um, but like the, the Dokuman card thing and, and, and the nameless people in the panels, I think that's brilliant. That's stuff that I love about storytelling is that there's these, these little moments, these little Easter eggs, you know, mm-hmm. where the only way that you would, you might know these people is if you had, you know, gotten the cards, like obviously you, you'll know who they are later on. Or even if you didn't, it's like something down the line that you say, oh, oh my God. Look, look at these cards. Look in this panel here. Like that is stuff I think fans love. It's right. Well, there are a lot of people that uh, there are a lot of people that, you know, they didn't get the cards, but they got I someone they got I some too. So they saw Michael yeah. Copper and Lillian Renashi's introduction in I some one in that just couple a uh, couple of pages. And they had no idea who they were. Now they've probably heard their names, but then they get Alpha Core one and they're in the book. Like yeah. <laughs> they have a very prominent presence in that book. And I won't give any spoilers beyond that, but you're absolutely right in that. And that all of a sudden there's the surprise, like, oh, this is who those people were. I remember them because a lot of people and I we tried, I certainly tried both on social media and on streams that I was on to impress upon people reread I Some One before oh, yeah. you read Alpha Core One. Because yeah. you're whether you bought the cards or especially if you didn't buy the cards, do that. Because that's one of those things where because you know, if you like if you go in to watch a brand new movie that's part of a franchise that you already love, you're already experienced with, and leading up to that, you rewatch things that came before it, things that preceded it, you are going into that with fresh perspective and context of things that happened prior to that and leading into it. And a lot of times you'll, by way of that, be able to pick up on things in that new movie, new TV series, whatever it is. 
in this case, comic books, to be able to pick up on things you otherwise wouldn't because you're, you've got that stuff fresh in your memory. And so you're, you're definitely right about that. Um, I think that the important distinction is that those criticisms were coming from a place of people that they want this stuff to be good. Yeah. They want comics to be good. They want comics to thrive and therefore they want and should expect as customers, as paying customers, they should expect the best. And we are striving to give them the best. And if we are actually striving to give them the best, then we're going to actually show that in our output. We're going to show that in our work with each book being more buttoned up. Alpha core one is easily our most buttoned up book so far. Um, and a lot of people are enjoying the absolute hell out of it. But the problem arises when you have people that are making criticisms that they're either pulling out of their ass or <laughs> they are, which there's no shortage of those, or they are nitpicking because they're desperate to find something. Because here's, here's the thing, especially in the YouTube and social media spheres, whoever the the top dog is not even i don't even want to use that cuz eric doesn't give a shit about that really um even though it's it's kind of accurate right now right whatever the hot topic of conversation is right the the hot entity whatever it is whoever it is there is clout to be gained and attention to be garnered via talking down on whoever that individual is doesn't matter if they're a comic book creator doesn't matter if they're a youtuber doesn't matter if they're uh, a a game developer whatever it is whatever the big topic is you are automatically going to get more attention and more views by associating whatever you're talking about with that entity with that person and negativity gains clicks more than anything else in the online sphere and that's a lot of that but the the part that's the most frustrating for me is when people will make criticisms just to criticize and gain that clout while pretending to give a crap about comics while pretending to give a crap about making an industry that is in a bad place right now better they don't actually care about that that's yeah. when i have an issue with the criticisms and that's why we we will brush off and ignore especially people that like aren't actually buying our book like i'm sorry if you if, if you're trying to pirate somebody's book, I don't care if it's ours, I don't care if it's Marvel's, I don't care if it's DC's or Image, and you're you're criticizing, their, like, I'm sorry, you, you didn't pay for that, like, and you clearly don't give a crap about the industry if you are not trying to actively support the industry when it does something positive. Yeah. Uh, and there's an intellectual dishonesty to that that I just can't get behind. And so if a paying customer... Whether they say, hey, I loved the book or like eh, the book was a bit of a disappointment for me, but you were a paying customer and you you come to me in good faith and they're like, hey, like this got missed. Like if you're going to tell me that there's a grammatical error. I can't like that's not an opinion thing that that's that's a facts based thing. I can yeah. look at the page and be like, yeah, that was missed. That was an editorial issue. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I appreciate you wanting us to do better we're going to do better moving forward. But a yeah. lot of the online stuff doesn't end up being that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly true. I, I've, um, 
you know, again, in my discussions with, with Vito, it, 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 I, I kept saying like, you know, I just, I want people and someone AJ said in the chat, like when, when you write stories, you know, multiple part stories, <clears throat> there's questions you got to ask, um, you know, starting in ISOM one, there's lots of questions and then moving to ISOM two, some of those questions are answered and then more, more questions are asked later on, which I assume I haven't read alpha core yet. Um, but the, I assume more are answered there and then even more will be answered in three and maybe a bunch coming, you know, you know, tying off. But the point is, is you're, you're picking up threads and allowing people to, to, to connect all the dots. Now, you don't want to get to a point where you become the show lost, right? You don't want to just be asking no. questions and never paying them off. And the thing is, is like the slow burn aspect of storytelling I'm here for, because I want to be, I want longevity. I want to know more about this world. Um, and patience is, is key in this because for decades, we've just consumed massive amounts of of, of stories that have already been written, especially like our generation, you know, we're, yeah. we're so, but being almost everybody who's reading this is their first time, like starting like a, a, a story. And you know, there's, there's stories that are told uh, reboots or, or whatever of characters, but we're talking about the very first stories of characters that we've never heard of, you know? Yeah. And a lot of things that we're doing are, are very foundational. Um, it's a lot of world building as part of the, our, I like to call it our, our lore trinity, Jen, yeah. Sylvie, and I. Like we, we actually had a long, <laughs> uh, almost like two-hour discussion today just talking about the things that are going on right now um, on books that nobody's even heard of yet um, and, and <sighs> things that we've got planned for the future. And that's incredibly exciting. But you're right in that people that are reading DC and Marvel, there's a shrinking audience, um, they're reading characters that have been established for decades, right? Decades and decades. Uh, we're we we haven't even been around for half a decade yet. We're we're barely a year and a half in here, and we're trying to build out a universe. And this is something that a lot of people, a good good friend of mine here on YouTube, um, Royce, who runs a, a Drink with Crazy, he uh, asked a question on Twitter. Was it yesterday or the day before? Asking how many because he does he does a wonderful stream where he. Uh, he tries to get eyes on indie projects specifically. He dedicates an entire stream just to indie comics and trying to get more eyes on indie comics, which is, I think that's a great thing and not enough people are doing it. Um, but he asked how many people uh, his followers knew were creating expanding universes in their indie comics rather than just like one-off issues. And it's it's really mostly crickets. A lot of people answer the question that they are making like a, a a universe with multiple books, but there's there's a misunderstanding in terms of what that actually looks like. There's uh there's a big difference between doing a handful of different books that are based on different characters, and maybe one makes a little you know cameo in the other, or you're just saying like yeah these all exist in the same universe. Okay, that's fine. But that's not the same thing. Yeah. What we're doing is we're essentially doing what DC and Marvel were doing early on. Yeah. When they were first trying to build out their universe in um in the sense of like, okay, so we're not just, you know, putting out Captain America comics. 
we're not just putting out Iron Man comics. We're we're building this world that's going to encompass all of these characters, these dozens and, and hundreds of characters, and they're going to all exist and at some point or another possibly interact with each other. And it has to actually be believable that they're all part of the same universe, not just like, hey, I showed up. Like, if you play freaking, what is it, uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the on the Game Boy Color like there's a Yoshi doll that you can buy in that game, but Yoshi's not in the game. Mario's not part of the Legend of Zelda universe. That's that's just a little Easter egg. That's not the same thing as building out an expanding universe. And that right. takes time and that takes patience. And it takes understanding that you're not gonna have your hand hold held through the storytelling. Like there's there's gonna be a lot of like puzzle piece jigsaw putting together of on the fan side. And some fans, like you can Man, it's so exciting to poke through the Gilded server over over on our end and, and look at our, like, Ripiverse Theories channel and our Ripiverse Spoilers channel and see people go back and forth about, like, where they think certain characters are going to pop up next, what yeah. what kind of storylines they see. Like, that. that's being a fan. And that's yeah. the kind of energy that I've missed as being a fan of DC and Marvel comics and Star Wars and all these other things for years now because they're just not being handled right. And I love being able to see that enthusiasm in our fans. And they understand that this is going to be a slow, slow build. Like it, there are a lot of great indie books out there from people on whether it's Kickstarter or whether it's on Indiegogo, Fun My Comic, whatever it is, that they're putting out great one-off books. Right. Or maybe it's a character that they've got an ongoing series and they're putting out a bunch of books with just that character. And that's great. But because it's just them putting out a single thing, that's going to allow them to be a lot faster with the pacing of what they're doing, not having to worry as much about the stakes. Because something we have to consider every single time we're putting out a new book is how do the events of this book affect the entire ripiverse world oh. that we're building and in turn how does those events affect the other characters of the other books that we've got going on whether they're an in-progress book or a book that we have planned down the line or a book that somebody else is going to pitch or what have you and we have to take that all into account good lord i don't envy you guys at all um but i want to so much let me ask, fun <laughs> let me i do i bet because See, I do the other thing. I, I do, I don't know if I've told you, I've ever told you, but I, I do um, some creative writing in my spare time. And I'm currently working on uh, a book uh, for like last six months, I've been working, writing this book. Uh, and one thing I love to do is like when I write short stories, I love putting characters from other stories like into them just as like, you know, passing by them or like just like a one-off they might talk to someone who was in a previous story it's just like little like if my if my works ever got published later on you know like it would be something that someone would know so hey that character was in that story like that's kind of cool like that's about as that's as much as i get with with multiversal stuff but i want to ask you and jen and sylvia if we ever get the chance to talk i would ask you this very same question so think about it how do you how do you prevent the so uh how do i want to formulate this question how do you prevent the ripiverse from like would it be story fatigue like or hero hero fatigue like i mean is the, is there ever an end 
to the Ripaverse? Will, will there be ends to characters in in these universes, or is this something? Hold on, I, I want to just go back to the how do you how do you prevent the superhero fatigue within the Ripaverse? Okay, well there there are a few things within that, so let's pick it apart. Superhero and, and you probably mean this in a way that I'm I might be misinterpreting, but superhero yeah. fatigue in in terms of how it's usually presented isn't I believe uh, a thing. I think there's a content issue in our in our entertainment overall. Um, that being said, I think what you're getting at is like if some if a character feels like their story has been told, there's not much else you can do with them. Their run is done. How do you handle like? setting them off into the sunset or killing them off, whatever that looks like. Um, and how does that affect your universe? Well, first and foremost, if you look at our Ripaverse Code of Ethics, um, when characters die, typically means they're dead. We're, we're not doing this like time travel nonsense, no multiversal stuff in our, in our universe. So you're not going to see a, uh, a, you know, blonde Asian female version of Avery pop up if he ever gets killed or something like that it's not going to be a thing but <laughs> the beautiful thing about what we're doing really lends itself to avoiding people feeling i guess bored with a character and it, that's even that's even really such an odd way to frame that because here's the thing if and i'll, I'll tie this into something that Bob Iger said about Star Wars a couple of years back when like the, the, the property was just not doing well, like the movies had started to decline, right? You, you had uh, that huge boom with Force Awakens, but then Last Jedi made less, Rise of Skywalker made even less, Solo lost money, a lot of money, and mm -hmm. then there's been just declining viewership on all their Disney Plus shows. And he made the statement that was just so incredibly asinine to me where he said, well, we're putting out too much Star Wars content right now people are burnt out on star wars no nobody believes that that's not a thing it, as a star wars fan i want as much possible star wars as i can afford and right. probably even then some if i want to make some bad financial decisions for myself right yeah and, and yeah. buy some things like oh that's a big old job of the hut uh freaking skiff over on tatooine maybe i'll buy that and i have no idea where i'd put it but why not right, right. um because i'm a fan i'm a star wars fan so i want more star wars content the problem is i don't want bad star wars content and that's what disney's been putting out so as long as we're putting out content that is of quality in terms of how our fans view it if each isom book comes out and it is of quality if each Yaira book that comes out is of quality, and I can tell you right now, as somebody who's read those and editing those, yes, they are of quality, and our fans are going to be really happy with them. I am very confident in that, because Jen and Sylvie are fantastic writers. Eric is getting even better as a writer, because I liked Isom 1, I liked Isom 2 even more, and Isom 3 is even better. And we got That's Chuck good. Dixon yeah, as well on stuff. We got Mike Barron, like... We, we've got two of the biggest industry legends that have ever worked over at the big two now working with us, you know? And so as long as we're striving to put out quality to our fans, there's not going to be that burnout. But the wonderful thing about what we're doing, as opposed to, say, if we were just putting out one book, if we were just putting out a book based on one character, maybe two, there's 
an opportunity for people to find their niche. There's an opportunity for people to find what they really latch on to. Eric has said this a number of times. The great thing about having a expansive universe, a growing universe of comic book characters is that just very organically, you're going to have people gravitate to one character or another more than others. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. That's completely fine. When I was still reading DC and Marvel, I was reading some books, but I wasn't reading others. I would try out some books. Maybe they wouldn't stick with me. That's eh, not for me. Whether it was because it was just bad or just didn't really care as much for the characters, right? And that's totally okay. You, None of us expect all of our fans to buy literally every single book that comes out. Yeah. Maybe some people have zero interest in Alpha Core. It's written by Chuck Dixon, so I might think you're a little crazy. But I also grew <laughs> yeah. up reading Chuck Dixon's books. Like Chuck Dixon is one of the most formula, uh, formative writers for me mm-hmm. as a young man reading comic books because like everything that was coming out that was surrounding the bat family was written by him basically so like the there's there's a little bit of a bias there and i recognize that but maybe some people aren't interested in a team of super cops cool fine right maybe they're interested in yaira maybe they're more interested in gooding maybe gooding which was a character that none of us thought all of a sudden people were gonna gravitate towards and want that character to get his own book let alone know that it was going to be Mike freaking Baron, Magic Mike Baron, that writes it. Um, and the art in that book is freaking off the chain. Dude, I'll, I'll, I, be, I... I'll be 100% <laughs> honest, dude. Like, when his introduction in Isom 2, I just thought, like, bro, this is the character I want to follow. Like, I don't even know what it was. I don't know if it was just the how he carried himself in the panels and, like, just the mystery behind, like, who the who is this dude? Like, there's there so was, much more to this guy, you know? And you're not unique in that. There yeah. were a lot of our fans that, like, they were following along with ISOM because they were, they were enjoying it. They're like, okay, I'm interested to see what happens next. But maybe they hadn't, like, really latched on to Avery, right? They hadn't found somebody that was like, okay, what's, what's going to be the character that I'm going to really latch on to and is yeah. going to be the character that I want to buy whatever books come out that have to deal with them all of a sudden gooding became that character for a lot of people and gooding was a he was like he wasn't ever intended to be a useless side character by any means oh he was meant to be important but he wasn't created with the idea that all of a sudden he's gonna have a his own book right right and but that's the great thing about us being independent and being able to pivot and be agile as an entity, as a business, and responsive to the fans. Because the fans can tell us with their wallets, hey, we want gooding. And we can be like, okay, well, yeah. Mike Barron was saying not too long ago that he wanted to do something with us. Let's let's pitch him the idea. What, what does he think about this? All right, then he, then he sends in a pitch for the story. Cool, let's do it, right? And we're able yeah. to do that. And that's the cool thing about building out an expansive comic book universe. You're going to have people that they're going to love some characters and not care for others. And that is perfectly okay. Nobody's ever expected to be all in on every single character that we put out. Because let me tell you, we have a lot of books in the works. I, I can <laughs> imagine with all the, with all the different, um, like I, one and two did a, a brilliant um, like tasting of all these characters and how they were sort of like interjected at different points. Um, and, and it, they, they, they were on the page just long enough to be like, wait, who's that guy? Or, like, I need to know more about that. Like, what was that interaction? You know, in you know, in Yara's part in Isom 2, it's just like really quick. You're like, okay, where is this going now? Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's tied in here. Like, okay, like now, because I 
am not one, and no offense to Jen and Sylvia, it's I, I have not been interested in Yaira. Um, I think she's smoking hot. But um, yeah, it's not a character that I would I would choose to follow. But sure. but the um, the completionist in me will read the first book because I want to see okay, what is this character about? Will it hook me? You know, because I'm I'm already invested in these characters, you know, and the, and the different beats they have uh, in the different in the um, in the first two Isom books. So mm-hmm. where does that go in Isom three? Where does it go in Year One and Alpha Core? Like all that stuff. Where indeed? Yeah. And like that stuff matters to me. And again, slow burn for me is great because I like to be strung out on, on the page. And I, I want, I don't want everything at once because then it's done and I, yeah. I got nothing left. And what's you the know? point? What, what do you, what do you do next? Right. right. Well, there, there's, look, Eric, Eric is not new to writing. People forget that. Um, mm. He's done ghostwriting. Sure, he's new to comic book writing, and there, there's some differences between comic book scripting and doing, like, say, prose novels or you know any other type of writing out there. Whether it's you know scripts for scripts between TV and film aren't the same, right? And right. those are those are entirely different from scripting something for stage. Yeah, um, and I know this because I did all three of those in in college. But what you were just saying there, in that you were getting excited about all of these other characters that just had like brief introductions. The fact that you were able to get interested in those characters just on those brief introductions shows that Eric is a skilled writer and that he knows how to present something in such a way that's like, I want a little bit more about that character. Yeah. That character well, piqued my interest. I, yeah. I need to see more of Gooding. I need to see more of uh, Alphacore. I need to see more. Everybody's clamoring for everybody in the Brothers Goldfish is clamoring for Norfolko, right? I, Maybe Dude, we'll get that please. someday, right? So, it, all I want a poster. Insert every single character basically that's been introduced in the first three books that people have been clamoring on social media for, which is basically all of them for the most yeah. part. Um, that's because their introduction was interesting to them, and while it might not be interesting to literally every reader, it shows a skill set and a talent to be able to get people's interest in a character with a very minimalistic introduction. Yeah. Because think about it. Alpha Core had a couple of pages, and I saw one. They had, what was it, like a page, and I saw yeah. two? Yep. Yeah. Yaira had a couple of pages, and I saw one. Gooding had a hand. Actually, Gooding, now that I think about it, probably had more pages than Yaira and Alpha Core combined yeah. uh, in those two. But and everybody wants Blood Ruth, you know, and she she had a she had a pretty hefty presence in Isom too, to be fair. So people actually got to, you know, see her in action a little bit more than the other characters. Yeah. But despite that, none of those characters were the primary focuses of the books in which they were introduced. Right. And so that's really cool that people are getting hyped for characters that they've only been shown just a little little snippet, right? Just a little yep. slice. We're going to give you something. We're going to give you a taste. We're not going to dedicate the whole book to them yet. But if the fan response is such that they're telling us they want more, okay, well, here's gooding the polymath for you. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, by the numbers, like, you guys are killing it. And with the with the Alpha Core uh, campaign, you know, dialing in just under numbers that you were, you know, for the previous two books, you're still hitting ISOM two, and that's with numbers. all of our prices being much lower. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, there's something to be said for that. And you know, as as these things go along, 
Um, I, I think you'll see ebbs and flows. I, honestly, it's it's impressive that you haven't seen oh, yeah. more of an ebb in sales. But again, I think it was because, I mean, AlphaCore being something new in Chuck Dixon, I think obviously it's drawn people in. And, you know, and I think Yaira will be the same way. I think I would expect similar numbers for Yaira, maybe even just a little bit above AlphaCore, because I think people are just really interested in, you know, we've had, there'll be three books now, just like little tastes, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, now we're getting the story. Um, you know, and, and I, once people see the Yaira campaign, oh, Yaira has the potential to do, I, I, I can't say with any level of confidence what exactly that book is going to do. That yeah. campaign, though, has a lot going for it. Um, and she is our most looked forward to character at this point. I know I know you you personally aren't necessarily right. super invested in the character. A lot of other of our fans are, and that's totally fine. Like not like I said, not everybody has to be invested in the same characters. So that's that's honestly... part of comics. There's nothing more organic in comic books than some people liking other characters more than others. It's honestly it's the misogynist in me. It must be because I, even Bloodworth <laughs> didn't interest me the way <laughs> you know like in it but it's I, when I there's there's different elements of what I what I connect with like we talked about earlier with uh, Into the Spider Verse, I like I like watching Peter B. Parker's arc as as this like uh, this kind of self absorbed like oh woe is me and then going to this like dad figure like oh I I do want a family it's time to pick myself up go fix my my relationship, um, you know I I I like to connect on personal levels. Sure. with with people and i've i mean i've connected with female characters in the past but like i mean for the most part they're going to be you know guys that I, I can somewhat uh identify with and like and i think for gooding gooding was just like he's just smooth and i love that you know like and it like what is what does he do you know like i don't know i like those kind of mysterious characters. yeah and like <laughs> in, in the, the mystery behind him of like the cleanup guy like what is what like i love that like, it's kind of all he does yeah so like in in of course i would say no but uh y- you know i just ah, it's it's such there, there's so many things that i have not been disappointed with yet and your point's well taken you know like say what you want about the Ripperverse, but like all these characters that people are showing interest in were written by eric this inexperienced comic book writer and there's been plenty of people that are interested in what what is going to happen next you know and it's it's no easy thing i mean i write dude and it's it's really easy to get distracted and let stories fall apart and not you know and not continue it's even harder it's a discipline well that and it's not not only that it's even harder to put up you know uh, a large sum of your own money to to go out on a limb and hope that people respond in a positive manner, right? There's nothing easy um, or comfortable about taking the kind of money that Eric did to start this company and to say it was as easy or, and you and I have talked about this privately, to say it's as easy as writing a check and um, and, and fronting your, your money. That's a big or, check to write. Right. That's not easy. <laughs> well, and any, any amount of money that you're saying, okay, uh chuck or jen sylvia here here's this money like there is a risk every time you rip that check away and hand it over to someone else there's a risk that they're gonna blow it that people aren't gonna like it Uh, it might not even be any fault of the writers or the artists Mm -hmm. it might just be 
people don't like be that wrong character. place wrong time right sometimes it's a matter of circumstance and, and you're right you're absolutely oh, right and uh eric took a massive massive risk but it was a calculated risk yeah and that's no because doubt. he's a comic book guy and he believes in the medium he believes in the magic of the culture i'm that's actually a direct quote from our code of ethics i i read <laughs> i read alpha core number one cover to cover including the code of ethics page about 37 or 38 times while i was editing it just because <laughs> i was trying to be that meticulous about it like going when i say fine tooth comb i'm serious about a fine tooth comb because i'm like nope you know our some of our fans were right there were a couple of there were a couple of errors um on the copy end when it came to the first two books let's do our best to mitigate that and yeah. i am since i'm being placed in charge of that I am going to do my damnedest to make sure that our fans have the best that, you know, the the story that was written, this incredible story that was written by Chuck Dixon and penciled by Joe Bennett gets the respect that it deserves by me giving it my best on the editorial side. Right. And it and we as a company deserve to try and put out our best work, right? So it's, yeah. it's trying to give three bests at once. The The creators of the book deserve it we as a company deserve it and most importantly our fans deserve it because they're the ones giving us their money for it right and it is such a difficult thing to do to put forth that much money eric said it before on streams he invested like two three hundred k of his own cash that's no bank loans he doesn't have the backing of some multi-million or multi-billion corporation um Despite what some people on Twitter might say, Glenn Beck did not fund us. Uh, <laughs> Eric Eric is just a very frugal individual, and he has saved up a, he saved up a lot of money over the years, set aside to where he could kickstart this thing himself, and then he took a calculated risk. Yeah, um, and that was calculated because, like I was saying, he's a comic book fan himself, and so he has been reading this stuff and consuming it and buying it for decades. And he's seen where it's been going and he's seen where people have been going, which is away from it, away from the big two, because they don't like where it's going either. Right. Yeah. Um, they're, people are dropping their poll lists left and right. I'm seeing, you know, Twitter accounts that I follow that were still up through, you know, mid this year, still buying a ton of DC and Marvel comics every single week, going to their LCS and then posting on Twitter what they were reading um you know oh, yeah, how they felt online. about it yeah. yeah and and i'm in the last couple of months now seeing even those accounts that were like the the last holdouts the bastions right the hopefuls they're dropping the vast majority of their polis and eric said okay there is clearly a desire for comic books yeah but there's a problem in the industry right now what can i do to solve those problems i think i can i'm going to do my best to do it and I'm going to bet on myself and take a calculated risk that it's going to pay off. It paid off way bigger than he expected, but thank God for that because I have a full-time job as the creative yeah. director. And that might sound selfish, but shit, as somebody that was stuck in the rut of a retail management for over a decade, Oof, it yeah. sure, sure feels a hell of a lot better doing what I'm doing now. Um, and like I said before, I'm, I'm working hard every day to earn that spot. Um, and we as a company are trying to work hard every single day. And when I say that we have a lot going on behind the scenes that our fans don't know about, I mean it. 
like we we announced a couple of books during this campaign, right? We announced Yaira, we announced Gooding. That's less than half of the books <laughs> that are currently. It's like you're looking at something that you can't say. Like, okay, don't say that. Don't say well, <laughs> yeah, I, that is part of it. But, but that's the excitement, right? Like, I'm yeah. so excited and and jazzed about what we're doing right now behind the scenes. The books that people have heard about, which is like three, are less than half of the books that we currently have going on in pencils and ink, and that is a fraction of what we're currently building out on like not even the pencils and ink side yet. That's why we're, we're, we're trying to think that far ahead. We're gauging because when people like, obviously I said, you know, I'm a social media manager for us. So I'm, I'm constantly looking at the feeds. Like what are people interested in right now? What are they talking about? What, who are the characters they're really looking forward to? Okay. Let's start thinking about what we can do with those characters. And Eric's constantly thinking about that. Jen and Sylvie are constantly thinking about that. Mm -hmm. The three of us had, um, a very long conversation about some of the other projects that are going to be going, uh, you know, coming into the next couple of years. And that's a ton of fun. Can, but it, can you, it, it's, a, it's all a calculated risk. Can you answer this question? Are you guys going to do any, are you guys going to be doing any, like, like not just trades? Are you going to be doing like single issue, like um, stuff, or is it all going to be like trade books? I don't remember if Eric has answered this question or not. And so I'm going to be careful with it. Um, <laughs> if you can't answer, or you don't want to, that's fine. I just, you know, I figured the, the, it, if... the thing with the single issues is that it's very limiting mm -hmm. and we're trying, there, there's a lot of burnout on, on people buying books every week and not feeling like they're getting their money's worth. I'm I'm happy to I have this year backed a lot of books on like Fund My Comic and Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Um because I'm I'm sick of you know spending four or five dollars on you know a 26 page with three or four ads um hmm. book that just I I feel nothing after reading or I'm annoyed after reading, right? Yeah. I'd rather pay a bit more and have something I can actually sink my teeth into, you know, and, and our books are thick. Our, our yeah. books, they're, they're, they're not small at all. That takes, that means that we're trusting our fan base to have a little bit of patience. And that also means we're trusting ourselves and our ability to build up hype and maintain that hype in between books. And that's, that's a huge thing. Because we had to maintain hype. Now, thank God we're able to now, because of the success of ISOM 1 and 2 and now Alpha Core 1, and that's all thanks to our fans, our wonderful fans who are the best in the world. Um, because of them, we're able to ramp up our production. So we released ISOM 1, what was it, July of last year, mm -hmm. right? Or June of last year, whatever it was, right? And then we released ISOM 2 in june of this year so it was about a year in between in between the first two books yeah. well now just a couple of months removed from isom 2 we drop albacore yeah in a few more months we're dropping yaira a couple months after that gooding then a couple of months after that 
what comes next. And then we've got a lot of books planned for next year. And so it's just expanding. And so we're trusting our ability to, <laughs> I see that, that right there is what we're aiming for though. We're, yeah. we're, we want people chomping at the bit and, and hoping that they're going to be enthused about what comes next. And we're never going to be at a point where we're putting out books weekly. We just can't. It's not feasible That's when you're fair. putting out books that are 100 pages. It's, it's yeah. not a thing. But if, and Erica said this before on streams, if we can get to the point where we're putting out books monthly, that doesn't mean there's going to be an ISOM monthly because it takes a while to crank out a 90 to 112 page book, right? You, yeah. You're not doing that in, in the scope of a month. You need a little bit more time if you want to do it right. Yeah, if right? you're going to say you, you could, but it would just be, it would be shit. Yeah, um, and that's not what we're aiming for. So, yeah. Um, or at least we, the, we the, want to maintain that enthusiasm and yeah. it's uh it's putting a lot of trust in our customers and we we thank them for that trust and that faith and it's putting trust in ourselves in our ability to maintain that enthusiasm as well in our customer base mm -hmm. um and that's that's all a balance and part of that is also hope that like well while somebody is waiting for the next issue of isom Maybe they're like, you know what? I will try Yaira, you know? And then they yeah. pick up Yaira, and all of a sudden now they really love Yaira as well. And now yeah. they're like, well, shoot, I'm not just waiting for ISOM 3. Where's Yaira 2, right? And that's that's yeah. that's part marketing. That's part that's part writing, really. That's that's on the job of great writers like Jen and Sylvia who knocked Yaira 1 out of the park and did a fantastic job with Yaira 2 as well. Um and anything else that they have down the line that is uh, redacted. You're not getting anything out of me, Shags. It's not happening, chat. Good luck. Um, Godspeed with that. But that's on the ability of the writers to convince people. Yeah. Right? Some, some people will take that chance. They'll, like my buddy Royce that I mentioned earlier, he was really mainly here for ISOM. He wasn't interested in Yaira or Alpha Core. And then he bought AlphaCore and he read it and he was like, wow, um, I'm actually really glad I bought this book. Yeah. Right. It's it's on it's on the the creative teams that we're putting on these books to convince readers that are willing to take that chance for that one off. Right. You you get one shot to lock people in with that. It's like, all yeah. right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give AlphaCore a shot, right? While I'm waiting for ISOM three. They pick it up. Did it do it for them or did it not? I think objectively, Chuck Dixon and Joe Bennett knocked it out of the park with that book. But that doesn't mean automatically that it's going to resonate with literally everyone. It's right. this is not how entertainment works. Some people aren't going to jive with it. And that's perfectly okay. That's yeah. totally fine. We don't expect it to jive with everybody. But if we can gain people's um, trust and attention with these other books that maybe they were on the fence about initially, to where then they're like, oh, well, uh, so. Where's Alpha Core number two now, right? That mm -hmm. that's the hope. Yeah. The plan isn't necessarily to get everybody to want to buy every single book. That's a perfect world that doesn't exist. But if we can convince people to take a chance here and there, and then we take advantage of that, and we we utilize that properly, and we convince them with the quality, then I think we're moving in the right direction. Heck yeah. I, and I think people forget that, uh, you know, I look at other indie comic creators and they're, you know, th th it's almost like they're, they're, they're striving for a level of perfection that they'll never reach. And I think that part of the calculated risk in, in the Ripiverse stuff has been understanding like, okay, 
we're going a little quick here, but you know, I we're, it's in a place. It looks great, and again, it becomes a gamble of um, like, do I have the right people here? It's good enough for right now, and it was calculated just enough to like, okay, we knocked it out of the park, but we still need to dial this in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's it's all it's all calculated, and that's one thing that I think I've said about Eric um, in the past is that he seems to. He doesn't do things by accident. It's thing, you know, he surrounds himself Eric with the right people. does not make uninformed decisions. Well, in that, and if, if he, if, if something, he strikes me as a guy that if, if he made a bad choice, he wouldn't be afraid to correct that choice. And like, you know, if, if someone got seriously out of line, he would, he would remedy that right away. If, I mean, but he doesn't, he also seems loyal. So if there was ever an issue, it would be like, Hey, we need to work this in. We need to reel this part in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what I mean? He seems fair in that way, but he's a businessman, but he's also a lover of comics and, and all this stuff. So, and having a firm understanding of all that is really what keeps me investing in this. Even, even if I don't think this story is as strong as this one, I believe in the cause behind it in the message. And until I'm proven otherwise, there's no reason for me to not. And mm-hmm. like I said, if, if I read a book and it's not up to what I think it should be, I might not invest in the next one, but sure. as of right now, there's plenty of as you're right in. as a consumer, right? Like that I would mean... expect that of anyone. I expect that out of myself when I purchase books or video games or you know go to see a movie. Like ah, that movie sucked. I wasn't a fan of that. I'm not going to go see the next one. Well, and it's not even a reflect. It wouldn't even be a reflection of of Eric's work because like I don't I don't operate like that. Again, I can still appreciate. I can separate the art from the artist type thing. You know, it might not be the very best comic and I might not buy the next thing, but it doesn't mean I'm going to ignore everything or then go on YouTube and make 10 YouTube videos about how Eric July betrayed me with an AI generated thumbnail. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to do. I don't get you a lot of clicks though. I yeah. hear, I hear that's the way, um, I don't know, man, people just must like the, the room temperature IQs that are around, like that must be what room like, allows them to do it. Some, some people, man, so, uh, all right, gloves. They're all over there. <laughs> Room temperature IQ? No, no. Try IQs that didn't make it past the baseboard. Yeah, yeah. They stunted at the baseboard. Yeah. But even more, I think their intellectual honesty and their integrity didn't make yeah. it past the baseboard, and that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, I mean, especially because they're a lot of the people. I mean, there's many people who are in the indie comic space who are. Like it's not even a. I mean, there's there's criticisms of the art, but it's it seems more, and I can say this because I've talked to one of the individuals. It seems like a disdain for the individual, and like their 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 disagreements on a personal level, and then also decisions within the the business. And it's like this doesn't concern you. (laughs) That's where people allow their personal feelings, whether it's jealousy, whether it's an ideological discrepancy and disagreement whatever it is that's where they allow that to cloud their better judgment and instead people should focus on their craft yeah instead people should if here's the thing when other indie creators start going after each other this is not directed at anyone in particular this is just a general statement when indie creators start going after each other to me 
that says you care more about trying to get yourself over by crapping on this other person than you care about, um, I don't know, fixing comics. Because obviously we're all doing the independent thing because we see that there's an issue with Marvel and DC and Image and Dark Horse and all these other guys, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're all striving for the same thing, there's going to be very varying levels of quality, sure. There's going to be varying levels of enthusiasm and success with each different project. Fair. Not everybody's cut out for making comics. It's not easy. No. But if you're putting a lot of your time and energy into crapping on other indie creators, specifically, you got to set your priorities straight. Because, especially if you have unfulfilled campaigns. Um, yeah. Or if you're just, you're, you do a lot of advertising, maybe on social media about your project, but you haven't put out a campaign yet. You haven't actually, or or haven't delivered on it, whatever it is. You should focus on your craft. And that's that's what the advice would be that I would give to every single indie creator out there. Doesn't matter who it is. I'm not even going to even bother dropping any names because this applies to literally everyone. Yeah. Don't focus on anyone except for the people that you hope will buy your book. Yeah. Those I mean, people should be your focus. Seek to please them because they're going to dictate whether or not your book is a success. Yeah. The people that you know, may agree with you about whether or not they like a specific individual, whether it's Eric or anybody else. Those people aren't necessarily guaranteed to buy your book. Those people might just also have a personal issue with Eric or with somebody else at the Ripiverse or with the way that we're doing things at the Ripiverse, whatever it is. Jealousy, it doesn't matter. Whatever the reason is, it's irrelevant and it should take a back seat. Your Fifi's should take a back seat yeah. to your customers. If you have respect for the people, that you profess to want to make your book for. And if you profess to care about this medium in this industry, comic books, this thing we all profess to love, then that book that you're saying you want to put out should be your focus. Yeah. Not somebody else that's having more or less success than you, whether they have a boisterous fan base or not, whether they're, you know, super in the public eye or not, it doesn't matter. Your focus should be your project. Your focus should be your customers because your customers, again, they're going to dictate whether or not, not only if that book books a success, but whether or not there's a number two. Yeah, that's, that's, that is definitely uh, a really good point. You know, the longer you drag one out, the harder it will be for the next one to, to pick up steam. And regardless if the book is good or not, people will still be like, wow, shit, do I want to wait? this long for for the next one um you know it it just again it depends on how great it is but i think i think people's need to be perfect and to like outdo the other guy is um is is poisoning the well like just you guys are all it's independent comics you know you're you're well, not even rising tides raise all ships right like you yes. have a good indie comic it's going to help indie comics in general it's not gonna hurt anyone i'm gonna push i'm gonna slightly like halfway push back on that and and Ooh. what i mean by that is that competition is healthy the yeah. problem right now Absolutely. is that dc and marvel are not competing for customers indie creators have the opportunity to be 
competing for customers. Yeah. And there's no rule written or otherwise that says that people can't be fans of the Ripiverse and also fans of this person's projects or that person's projects or those people over there or get interested in something else that comes up and pops up out of the blue. Amen. This is not a fixed pie. And there's no world that exists where you can't be a fan of multiple things. Just because I'm a Star Wars fan doesn't mean I can't also like Harry Potter. Just because I like Harry Potter doesn't mean I can't like Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. Just because I like those things doesn't mean I can't also like superheroes. Just because I like DC characters doesn't mean I can't like Marvel characters. There's Fanboyism is the most retarded-ass thing that has ever existed in fandom. People that act like, oh, well, you can only be a fan of DC or you can only be a fan of Marvel. No, yeah. piss off with that. I can like Spider-Man and The Flash. Yep. I can like Superman and Nova. I can like, you know, Storm of the X-Men. And I can like Zatanna over at DC. There's no rule that says otherwise. And right. if somebody tried to make that rule, I'd tell them to piss off. Yeah. So what should be happening is that all of the indie creators should be trying their best to vie for customer dollars. And the way to do that is to put out the best quality product they possibly can so that the customers are winning. And you know what happens when the customers are winning by getting products that they want to spend money on? They spend more money on your shit. Well, in general, like if, if all these indie comics creators, doesn't matter who you are, you start your project, you finish it, you deliver it. What does that tell the general public about indie comics? It's a reliable source. Because say what you yep. want about Marvel and DC. It's shit, but at least it's shit that's coming out on a regular basis that people can count on being there. Can't count on a good story. But you know, but for years when they were good stories, these things were happening. Indie comics need a better name because there's plenty of horror stories out there of you know within Comicsgate and elsewhere of campaigns being Absolutely. started not being delivered on years later years and that's later a problem like, yeah that right now one of the biggest issues in not just comic books but entertainment in general is enthusiasm yeah dc and marvel have some of the most iconic characters in the history of fiction there are literally our modern day myths our modern day pantheon yeah and we can see it in real time, the apathy that's oh. set in at the box office, or if you look at um, the ICV2 numbers for comic books at the big two, they're not doing well. That's a content problem. You have to inject enthusiasm. People should be stoked off their ass to go see a new movie or watch a new series or read a new comic book based on these characters, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And so DC and Marvel have left the door open. They left the house unlocked. And all of us indie guys should look at this as the opportunity to be like, well, what they're doing isn't working. Yeah. We could, we could like try and get some short-term success by going into their house or we could take advantage of the time that we have while they're slacking and we could build a new house. And this house could be far more profitable. There are books that not every single indie campaign that funds is actually profitable. 
Mm-hmm. Eric's actually made a video about this, his Making Money in Comics uh, video series, where he talks about the financial end. Um, a lot of projects, even those that go into, you know, making like 30, 40, 50K, don't end up actually being profitable because they added products in there that they didn't account for shipping costs on. Yeah. They didn't account for all the various costs that come into into play when you're talking just about the production of the book itself. Your colorist, your letter, the writer, if you're not writing it yourself, um, the artist, all of these things. If you're if your penciler and inker are two different people, you know, um, you can save a little bit of money if you can combine the penciler and inker. But there are a lot of costs associated with making a comic book. And if you start adding in physical merchandise on top of that, yeah, T-shirt. Oh. Or you start doing things like lunch boxes or plushies or you know metal trading cards or whatever it is, that gets really expensive really fast. And your profit margin that you thought you had will Shrinks. disappear yeah. very, very quickly into oblivion. Yeah. And that's an incredibly difficult thing to navigate. And a lot of a lot of indie guys, um, I think get a little over eager on some of their first campaigns where they like they want to you know, really hit the ground running. They want to offer all this cool stuff and the the stuff is cool, but the enthusiasm around the project isn't enough to justify that expense because all of a sudden, not only has their profit shrunk, but they're actually going into the, into the red on their campaign that supposedly funded. And that's a difficult thing to navigate for a lot of indie guys. And, I would encourage anybody that's interested in in making comics in the indie sphere, specifically the indie sphere, go check out Eric's videos on his YouTube channel about making money in comics. He's got two of them out so far. He's planning on doing more. It's really worth your time because there's information in there that you will not get elsewhere because most of the other people in the YouTube sphere and in the social media sphere that make independent comics do not have a business background. They do not have business acumen. And so even though some of them might be incredibly successful on the creative side, they still are not qualified to give you business advice. And they're not going to give you that business advice because they don't have it themselves. You can't, you can't educate people on something you don't know yourself. Yeah. And I, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm not so arrogant to believe that what I have as far as the story is like the, the very best out there. It's one of the reasons I, I wanted to, I'm going the, um, the novella route with mine and doing sort of the, like kind of how the green mile was published in like small, okay. like parts. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, if, if it's something that people really like, I'll, you know, combine it once the story is complete and, and release it as, as one collection as well. But like, I mean, to me, it can only benefit you to to start small and like, here, here's my story. Like, this is the product. Like, I, I couldn't imagine just going right to like plushies and all these other things. Like, I mean, it's, for some, it works because they've been building the brands for years. But sure, like for some someone people are fortunate enough it, to have the audience that's large enough and the right. specifically the buying audience, the purchasing right. audience, because you yeah. could have a million followers on YouTube but 99% of those aren't a buying audience. They're just there to watch your YouTube content. Right. Um, and that's, and that's why like, it's super important. Just, I mean, if you're, especially if you're new on the scene somewhere, you could have like the very best story ever written, but if no one knows who you are or doesn't have no reason to trust what you're doing, you know, like those, like you said, those things become very expensive and your profit margins 
evaporate and then you have nothing to to reinvest into into your, your next project um and it's very rare that people explode onto the scene the way eric uh, eric did and continues to do and um you know again it seems to be a product of the people you surround himself with the quality of his own work um and it's it's really great to see because the, the indie comic sphere needs more success stories it's he's not the only success story but he is it's the one in recent history that seems to be really blowing the doors in and well and we want to see like i said earlier we're not a fixed pie we want more people like us more entities like us to crop up and that a one-to-one is difficult because there are special circumstances in terms of Eric yeah. being able to kind of front load the cost on his own. You know, we didn't do a crowdfund, yeah. um, but we want to see other major successes like us because that's healthy for the industry. That's healthy for independent comics as a whole. And that's the goal that we, we want people to be looking forward to not just our books, but also books from, any number of other people, just like all of us, like myself, like Eric, like so many other people, used to look forward to going to the local comic book shop on every Wednesday and picking up their pull list, whether it was a combination of DC, Marvel, image characters, whatever. We want people to have that same enthusiasm that we used to have growing up. Mm-hmm. We want to inject that into the indie space. And that's that takes a lot of dedication, a lot of honesty, because just by way of no one, not even us in the indie sphere, having the ability to price things the way that the big two do or price shipping the way the big two do, right? We don't have those deals because none of us are multi-billion dollar entities, right? We can't, I'm sorry, if you have a problem with our shipping costs because you're you're expecting Amazon shipping costs. (laughs) Yeah. I can't help you. Like, I, I get it if you're used to amazon shipping costs which i myself am i'm amazon prime member so i i'm used to getting free shipping or like drastically reduced shipping right and it being like two day or three day whatever it is i get it sometimes like that that extra bit on the bill for the shipping can can hurt and some people have finite um you know expendable income to to use especially in this economy right and we our goal is to always respect that and understand that that's why we lowered the cost of our shipping for the vast majority of countries that we ship to. And we lowered the cost on all of our products for this alpha core campaign. It wasn't because we see Chuck Dixon and Joe Bennett's book as being valued at less. No, mm-hmm. we, because of the success that we received from our incredible fans, we were able to take that and renegotiate things like printing deals, things like shipping deals. We were able to go back to the negotiating table for those. And we, what we chose to do was to pay that forward to our customers. And that's, that's where we try to mitigate that. We're, we're, we are likely never going to get to Amazon shipping rates. No, but we're always going to try our best. Eric, can you please buy the post office? So, <laughs> so we can have shipping. Well, I mean, it is all, it is the federal government that runs that, and the government's broke as hell. So, right. I mean, it should, on paper, it should be able to be purchased for pennies on the dollar. But you know, that's that's the government thinks that they're worth gold. That's true. <laughs> um, well, Andrew, man, I appreciate your time, man. This has been a a really fun conversation, which I knew it would be um, informative, but not you know, not it's. Uh, 
no spoilers. Thankfully, you get to keep your job for another day. Um, another day. Woo. Right. <laughs> uh, it, you know, chat, thank you so much for hanging out. Sasa Sisters in, in chat, uh, jokingly. CJ, thank you so much. Uh, Silvar, there's been a lot of people bouncing around in chat, and I really appreciate the uh, the support. Um, it's great having these conversations because we get a little inside look into what's uh, going on at the Ripiverse. Talking about talking with Andrew is, is always is fun. You just you got a lot of info, which I know. You, I mean, you told us enough without spoiling anything, which is really good. Um, is there is there anything else that you want to add or, or talk about before we before we cut out? I would say to everybody that hasn't already checked it out, take a look at the Alpha Core Number One campaign. See if you think it's up your alley. If you're on the fence, take that chance. I think Chuck Dixon and Joe Bennett can convince you because um, they put out a phenomenal book. Outside of that, I would say check out channels like Shags. If you're not already subbed here, do that. Fix that now. Please do. Check out A Drink with Crazy, Royce that runs that. Every single Wednesday, he does a stream that is dedicated to indie comics specifically. And something that really needs to happen is the level of enthusiasm and chatter around excitement for indie comics needs to be raised. That needs to be elevated by a lot. And there aren't nearly enough channels doing that right now. So I would say go sub to him. Check out his Wednesday stream. He does a, he does a few streams throughout the week. He does like four now. Um, I don't know when he sleeps. But I would say do that because we've done a lot of, we've done a lot of bitching in this space for the last several years about our media. And for good reason, in most yeah. cases. DC Comics and Marvel Comics are not in a good space at all. But what do we do in the meantime? We still want comics, right? We still enjoy yep. the medium. So yeah. let's put some enthusiasm where the uh, where the comics are being produced to where people, or at least a good amount of people, are trying to put out something of quality and get people excited about it again. Hell yeah. Um and we had a couple super chats. I don't want to miss those. You guys always appreciate the, uh, the support and chat. $2 from MSK uh, Content Entertainment said, does Andrew have an NDA on his professor look? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd have made it as a professor. <laughs> uh, Joe King Lee says, Merry Christmas for $5. Really, really hey, appreciate Merry Christmas it. to you, bud. Merry Christmas. Uh, and happy holidays. As is Dan Avatar. And uh, CJ for $5 says, Andrew, what is Avery's social security number? And what's the tax idea of his ranch? Oh, well, that's easy. That would be redacted. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, guys, it's been it's been a lot of fun. That's going to do it for us tonight. I really appreciate everyone. If you're not subscribed to the channel, I hope you guys will consider it. Uh, like the video, share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully we get this uh, passed around. A lot of great interviews uh, on this channel are coming up. Um, I think I have one more before the month is out, maybe two. And then uh, January is already full. I got people uh, and I'm looking forward to even more interviews. 2024 is, is going to be a banger of a year. I'm going through a, a social media cleanse right now, which is doing me lots of good. Bless um, you for that. It's thank worth you. it. Um, <laughs> it's also con consider joining my discord as well. The links down in the chat or I'm sorry, down in the, uh, in the description, I have, I'm starting to have more conversations over there, hanging out, be a part of the discussion. Uh, I like to have some think pieces going in there. 
you guys can be involved in that and in, uh, in helping me work through some really hard things. So thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate your hey, time. Thank you for letting me on your show, man. I appreciate Hell it. Hell yeah. You let right, me guys. into your home. Anytime. Hopefully you don't uh, regret it. <laughs> no. All right, guys. We'll see you later. See ya.